to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the podcast where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick, and I'm back this week, as always, with Chris. Hi. And Steven. Hi, back for the second episode in a row. Good to see you guys again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us again. It's always good to have you here. And also, not as always, but we are always very glad to have her, Christine. Hey, guys. Thanks for having hey. me again. Hey. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> it is a big day. It's a history-making day. That We've never done this before in the history of every horror movie on Netflix, but we are reviewing a movie today that is not technically in Netflix's horror category, and that movie is Twilight. But we figured, you know, werewolves, vampires, whatever, it's all there. Like, it's still horror and uh, we thought you guys might enjoy it. it so it's we're an doing important Twilight. distinction. It's an important distinction because we have watched non-horror movies before that were just categorized by Netflix in Netflix's horror category. So that's our rule. Well, we, we, we what? <laughs> so I just like can't get to my laughter. We will get into why this probably should not be categorized as horror. Netflix, I think, did the right thing here. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into it. But before we get into it, let's do our normal thing where we talk about uh, things that definitely are horror that we've been consuming in our lives outside of watching movies for this podcast. Uh, Steven, I know you and I had a, a powerful shared horror experience I know. in the past week. And I know Chris has to take his earbuds out for us to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And let me know when it's over. Wave when it's oh, over, Chris, guys. You, well, I can't listen you, to this. Before you go, do you want to explain why, why you're going, though? So, yeah. So, they're going to be talking about James Wan's <laughs> Malignant, which... I obviously need to watch and meant to watch already, but I haven't watched it. And I'm in the very, I'm very happy with my position of having, I know nothing, nothing about Malignant other than the title. And it's so rare. You for haven't me even, to even go, seen the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer. No, yeah. I don't know anything about it. Nothing about it. I am as clean of a slate as it gets with this movie. And that's so rare, especially these days after a movie comes out, especially on streaming mm-hmm. when like a movie will drop at midnight. And by the time I wake up at like 7am, there's already gifts about it. And, and like, cause I spend like eight mm-hmm. to 10 hours a day on Twitter and <laughs> minimum. <laughs> And it's just a gold rush on Twitter to like every piece of content that comes out just gets mined for for memes immediately until the well is bone dry. And it's like a it's like a it's like a gold rush. Everyone just wants to be the first one to get the gif of baby Yoda doing the thing and put it on your on your feed. And I have had nothing. I've seen nothing. And I want to keep it that way. And so I don't want my experience to be uh, influenced at all by whatever Patrick and Steven are about. 
about to talk about. So I'm just going to take my earbuds off, and you can just tell me when it's over, and I'll be back. Have a great discussion. Yeah, get out of here. We'll <laughs> signal you to come back in like 90 minutes. Wonder okay. what his blood pressure is right now. <laughs> well, I got to say, this is a movie I would never want Chris to know anything about this going in. This I'd seen the trailer, and I feel like even that really didn't give me an idea of what we were really in for with this thing. Yeah. They marketed it well. Like, it has crazy-ass twists and turns. This is a wild movie. And the marketing is good. I was curious when I did see the trailer once at the theater, but it does not give away anything important, which kudos to them for that. Yeah, I just thought this was going to be... I mean, from the trailer, I thought it was going to be kind of a standard sort of giallo tribute or something. It's like you know, woman in trouble pursued by a guy in a black trench coat with a big knife. Um, and it is, it is so much more, so much more than that. Yeah. And I mean, really, you know, Chris almost would have been safe if he stayed here because like, we're, we're not going to say much more about no. it other than that. It was fucking wild. It blew my mind. My jaw was hanging wide open at multiple moments during this movie. I laughed uproariously at it at numerous points and and was just completely delighted by it. We were saying before we started recording today, I mean, uh, I have been a little lukewarm on James Wan for a while, but uh, his recent little streak of uh, Furious 7, Aquaman, and now this have just kind of shown me, like, this is just a crazy-ass nerd who wants to make the most outrageous genre movies imaginable, and people are giving him insane amounts of money to do it now, and I'm just loving it. I'm there for it. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can say either, because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who who hasn't seen it yet. I mean, it's pretty easy to do. If you haven't, I'd say you should, if it's even remotely on your radar. But um, it, ha- it definitely has me more interested in him as a filmmaker, because I have not responded to anything he's done before this. I did not see his Fast and the Furious movie, or his mm. Aquaman movie, I have to say. Uh, nor will I probably see either of those. But if he keeps <laughs> making horror and it's anything like this, I'm 100% down. Yeah, I mean, horror is kind of his bread and butter. That's where he's done most of his work. So I would guess he's uh, he's going to keep churning those out. But yeah, go see Malignant if you haven't already, you dinguses. Now that speaking we of which, speaking of dinguses, we can bring Chris back. <laughs> yeah, now that we've talked about it for less time than he did winding up to us talking about it. <laughs> That was a rant. All right, let's signal him. Come back, Chris. Come back. Come All back right, to back. us. He's All back. Right. <laughs> All right, Chris. Awesome. Christine, do you have anything to report? Uh, other than my second book in my series coming out in November, which I do not have a pre-order uh, up yet for, but um, no, just... Uh, Plug it. What's it called? How just, do we find it? Well, I... It hasn't been revealed yet, but you can go oh. to, you can go to... Uh, we don't get the scoop, we don't get, this isn't, you're not going to reveal it here on the show? Mm, no, sorry. Ah. <laughs> but, but, um, you can go to alanwritesit.com, um, and there's some information up there when this uh, podcast goes out, so definitely go to my website and check it out. Nice. Okay. Christopher, anything on your horror radar this week other than avoiding malignant information? So I finally, uh, my sister has been bothering me for about four months to watch a French thriller that she, I guess, discovered on accident one day years ago. And I finally watched it. It's called Harry, He's Here to Help, also known as With a Friend Like Harry. 
Um, it's a slow boil about a family. Um, they're kind of on a, on a vacation and the, the, the man of the house, uh, runs into a old someone who he used to go to school with, who he doesn't really remember, who is, you know, Hey, this is so cool that we met and they start hanging out and he's just kind of a weird guy. And what happens? I can't tell you. You'll have to watch the movie and find out about an hour into it, what the hell happens (laughs) and what Harry's intentions are. But, um, kind of an interesting watch. Um, you know, very slow, a little weird. All in all, it was worth my time. That's it. Harry, a, he's here to help, or with a friend. It's almost impossible to watch, by the way. I forget how we watched it, but but like, you'll try to rent it on your service of choice, and it'll be like, it's not available. Sorry, and you'll go to the next one. And be like, oh, it's not available. Sorry, we won't let you rent this. It's too too dangerous to watch, too extreme <laughs> to watch. But dude, mm. I have seen this movie. I don't remember shit about it, but I remember getting it in a stack of VHS tapes from. My my local branch of the Monroe County Library system back in the <laughs> oh, day because really? it looked like it looked like horror adjacent. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can see if I can find that somewhere. I'll have to see Intrigued. if it's still in the in the library. How old what? is this movie? Two thousand. Just gonna say yeah, we we stopped uh, doing VHS like <laughs> five years ago, six years oh. ago. Well, you still don't do Blu-ray, so you might as well still do VHS. <laughs> They'll probably never do Blu-ray, so... Yeah, well, well, probably never going to go to the library. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) That was a fun little showdown between you two. (laughs) Yeah, now that that the turf war is over, now that our our very own little Edward and Jacob here have cooled it down, (laughs) let's talk about Twilight. (laughs) All right, it's Twilight time. Love it. So, yeah, I mean, this movie is my fault. I picked it. Uh, I had never seen Twilight before. I had seen, oddly, the last three entries in the series. Yeah, it was when I was reviewing movies professionally, so I was obligated to see everything, and I started doing that mid-Twilight franchise. So I had never seen this, never seen New Moon. What's y'all's, you know, level of familiarity with this franchise before going into this? Oh, and also I should add, I I never read any of the books either. Gosh, even before having to review the sequels professionally, Patrick, you didn't do your research. I'm ashamed. (laughs) Ashamed of you. For for, uh, Amon episode, he's like, oh, I watched all seven of them so I can watch (laughs) this one. But when he's actually getting paid. Oh, no, he'll he'll watch some of them twice. (laughs) I I can't. I kid. I don't know. My experience, I think I said on the last app, I saw this with friends like not long after it came out because it sounded like one of those kind of so bad it's good sort of things. And I remember having an absolute blast watching it and laughing at all of the sort of ridiculous, um, well, just everything about it from the glistening vampires to the, <laughs> the, the baseball and the thunderstorm and all that stuff that we'll get into more deeply later. But um, I've never read any of the books, don't plan to. I've never seen the sequels. Also, definitely don't plan to. I don't know how to read, so I never read the books. Um, but then I watched the first half of this movie, like in college. It was uh, maybe on Netflix. Like I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll watch Twilight, and I watched like the first half, maybe less than half. Um, and I enjoyed it at the time. Um, but that was it. Never watched the sequels. Never read the sequels. So yeah, this is this is a fairly new experience for me. 
Now, Christine. <laughs> Christine's here because if you've listened to her other appearances on our show, you know that she is something of a the, the young author lit expert. Um, well, so she's not here we- just because of that. She's You're- also here because we love her. That's well, right. yes, of course. A combination. Of course. A nice yeah. combination. A cocktail of both of them. So I'm sure you are intimately familiar with the saga. I am. So um, the first book I'm looking here, it looks like it came out in 2005, which really dates me because I graduated high school in 2006. But um, read it when it first came out. Absolutely loved it. Uh, read the second one. Loved it. The third one. It's good. And the, <laughs> the last one, which is Breaking Dawn, was not so good. Um, but uh, recently, I did read Edward's Perspective, which is called Midnight Sun. She released that uh, yes. last year. And it was, it was okay. But I l- actually, I really love the series for the most part. And of course, I saw the movies um, when they came out. The movies were okay (laughs) we'll get into that uh but i am very familiar with the series i'm very familiar with plugging the series i'm very familiar with providing reader advisory for uh teen girls for the series so Hmm. um yeah i have so many questions about midnight sun is that what you said it's called the edwards perspective okay well i'll save those for the spoiler room but oh wow Uh, yeah finally getting some male uh points of view (laughs) into literature (laughs) Just yeah. what we needed, right? <laughs> so I'm curious about, as someone who has you know worked around uh, fiction and particularly young adult fiction for quite some time, um, how would you characterize the effect of Twilight on the young adult universe? Because I remember it as sort of being like the first monumental, like we're reading YA now, everybody, sort of franchise. <laughs> And it had like tons of imitators. And is that just, is it just, was I not paying attention or is it significant in that way somehow? No, I think it's very significant. I think it is one of the first books um, to open the genre up to not just young adults, not to that, not just to that YA market, but it opened it up to, hey, moms are reading this too. Um, Young, younger adults so you know age you know 18 through 29 are reading this too um and i think that definitely helped uh help to blow it up i think like my personal experience with it is my mom and i read the books together i mean obviously not to each other because i was a teenager and that you know (laughs) mom you're weird but um we both read it we both shared our opinions on it we both went to see the movies together um we both you know talked shit about, <laughs> about characters that we didn't like together. And I think that that really helped um, kind of push it out into the world. Like, hey, this genre is here. Um, and we're doing some pretty crazy things. And it's okay to like the genre. It's okay to read the genre. Um, so, no, I think you're right. I mean, it really, in my eyes, it really was the first uh, book series to really to really blow up the YA genre. Let's talk about Twilight the movie. I, I I guess I should summarize it briefly for the three quarters of a person out there who somehow has walked in to this discussion with zero knowledge of the Twilight franchise. There's a girl named Bella who moves to live with uh, her dad in 
Forks. Is it Oregon or Washington? Washington. Washington. Washington, yes. And as she's settling into her new school there, she ends up meeting a very sexy young man named Edward, who turns out to be Gasp, a vampire. And uh, honestly, there's not a lot of plot to the movie other than that. It's them getting to know each other and us getting to know, uh, getting to learn our way around this sort of interesting vampire world that we exist in. It's a story older than time. (laughs) Vampire meets girl. Girl meets vampire. That's all there is to it. (laughs) And this movie just, it it captured me. It captured my attention right away. This is the most stylistically bizarre movie I maybe have ever watched. Wow. Everything about this movie. The cinematography. The acting. The voiceovers. Every choice in this movie is kind of a catastrophe, but in an endearing way. You could never, you could never deliberately make this movie. It's just, it's just, it is just something. It is something I've never seen. It's a, it's a camp masterpiece in my opinion, and the, and not in the like, you know, oh, funny Batman sort of definition of camp, but the, the classy definition of camp where it's failed seriousness. That is this whole movie for me. 100%. Yeah. I've been seeing it for the first time in... When did this come out? Was it 2008? 2008, yeah. 2008. Yeah. yeah so I must have seen it around when it came out, and I had... I uh, Apologies, Christine. Well, maybe you felt the same way. I don't know. You said you're, you and your mom did talk shit about these movies, but <laughs> I had the same kind of reaction when I first saw it. I was just like, what is going on here? There's something just like weirdly <laughs> uncanny about the atmosphere and the way characters are framed and the way the camera moves. The music feels like on the nose to the point of potentially being an inside joke. At times, the teen drama is played to these like heightened excesses that even to someone who's around that age when this came out, or I guess a couple years past it, I thought it was it was kind of silly. I'm curious to hear how you reacted when when you first saw this thing, Christine. Since you, I think you were more uh, the target audience than I was. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. 2008, I was, oh my gosh, was I 20? I might have been around 20 at that point. I liked it. I thought there was a lot of cheesy moments. I thought a lot of the cinematography was really cheesy. Uh, the acting, I felt, was really bad. Um, Jacob, in particular, I really, really struggled with. But I think as a fan of the books sometimes you push past that Mm. and you think you know what this is what we're getting we're not they're not they're not gonna reboot this in in, you know (laughs) 15 years i i guess this is what i got and i'll watch it a couple times a year and i'll be okay with that (laughs) so i was really almost pleasantly charmed by this for about the first half hour or so uh mostly for the stretch of the movie before we find out Edward is a vampire. Particularly, the acting really fascinated me. You know, we've got Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson who have gone on to be very respected actors who have done incredible, incredible work um, and both obviously got their start with this franchise. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to see them in this because, I mean, from, from my understanding, they did not like this material. I think they've spoken openly about that at some point. 
but they're not just sleepwalking through this. They are doing work, and almost, if anything, they're overworking a little bit, but they captured, for me, the like sort of awkwardness of having a conversation as a teenager in this weirdly heightened sort of way. Like, mm-hmm. Stuart's eyes will just dart back and forth, and she'll bite her lip, and there's just so much going on on her face. And not necessarily in, like, that sort of rich way that you might say about you know some i would whatever great de niro or whatever performance where it's like wow there's so much going on in this face but there's literally (laughs) so many things happening on her face individual (laughs) movements to communicate emotion and i don't know if it's good or bad i almost want to say it's good i almost liked it it had a certain i guess just aesthetic to me where like i said it, it communicated that awkwardness in sort of a perfect way these performances are like, very weird they're like they're like perfect set dressing in a way like i didn't see them so much as performances as like oh these actors understand the material's terrible but they've got to look the part and they've got to blend into their surroundings and i think they do a great job of that with with a pretty ham-fisted script i was fascinated too just like why is <laughs> why is robert pattinson trying so hard right now like he doesn't have to he <laughs> looks gorgeous you know like people have already made their um their decision about that before they go into the movie he can just coast and he chooses not to <laughs> they've, they've already yeah. decorated their lockers so it's, yeah. this is nothing he's gonna do uh, but but no i was right with you patrick i i think there's like an impressionistic quality to the acting where it doesn't ring true and it feels like bad acting but it feels like a more true reflection of the emotions that are going on with these characters than you'd get if people just did a better job performing the emotions <laughs> yeah and certainly better than you would get if you had the actors literally just sleepwalking because i mean we've seen plenty of these movies and I, I think we've all seen you know movies where it's a adaptation of a popular book or whatever where everybody is clearly just doing it for the paycheck but especially stewart and pattinson are putting some actual work in it's just it's interesting work and mm-hmm. and again, I don't know. I guess it sounds like I'm criticizing it when I'm saying that because I don't I don't know. I don't want to say it's bad acting. It's just very unusual. And and again, it actually charmed me. I was actually enjoying it at least for that first half hour. Like my God, when uh, Edward is at first, you know, attracted to Bella and trying to like restrain himself from wanting to suck her blood. Like Pattinson is just doing so much, and it's a delight. I was screaming. <laughs> really iconic exchanges (laughs) (laughs) you know what i also liked jacob i had seen jacob in the later movies i feel like he was a little more of a generic just like you you know well yeah literal set dressing because it just kind of becomes about his abs and i was like oh "Oh, this just seems like kind of a you know kind of a dorky like normal kid to me it felt very un unaffected i guess i don't know I mean, so you, are you guys Team Edward or Team Jacob? Based on this so movie, far, team Jacob. I'm Team Jacob. I think he's yeah. far more attractive than Robert Pattinson. Way more charming, yeah. down to earth. Yeah. He just seems and safer seems much nicer. For her. Yeah, he seems like yeah. less of a creepy douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> just wait till he's, book four. He's not watching. <laughs> if you if you tell me he starts watching her sleep at night at some point, then I'll I'll maybe consider switching sides. But. <laughs> What what team were you, Christine, back in the day? Back in the day, it was definitely Team Edward, mm. for sure. Okay, yeah, I wanted that you know creepy ancient vampire guy to watch me while I, you know, slept. 
you know, it's very, it's very romantic, you know, being watched over and taken care of. And, you know, um, now definitely Team Jacob because of those abs. (laughs) 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 Uh, Oh, man. um, But, yeah, so something else that really drew me in right away was, um, the voiceover narration yeah. in this movie, which is, I mean, unlike some movies we've seen, masterpieces like, you know, Be Afraid that like <laughs> tell you that someone's the police chief by like showing them come home from the police station or something. Bella in her voiceover is just like, my dad's the police chief. <laughs> yeah. like, instead of showing you a sign that says, like, Forks, Washington, population 436. <laughs> it's like, I just moved to Forks, Washington, population 436. <laughs> well, but that was one of the interesting things to me was they set up this sort of, you know, traditional teen movie scenario where she's moved to a new town. She's going to a new school in the middle of the school year. And, you know, it's kind of set up as, oh, this is going to be rough. But I mean, I was homeschooled, so I guess maybe I just don't have perspective on this. But I mean, in my mind, has any kid ever gone to a school and more immediately had people just like crawling all over them trying to be their friend than bella does in this movie oh they're trying to fuck her too and everything like the the, the, <laughs> well, the, editor the, of the school too. newspaper is just like right on her the yes. second she shows up it's pretty wild i i don't I i've think, never had such an experience i can say that I, like she immediately has a click on the first day she has a table to sit at at lunch and i'm like oh wow that that was fast. Good for you, Bella. You you made a shitload of friends. I would argue that, that that was mostly because it's a small town. So it's like, ooh, new shiny. So you automatically get a lot of attention. Mm. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. it's sparkly, Chris. Not, not shiny or glittery, as I made the mistake at the end of last episode. Yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing. That's another thing that's just kind of feels impressionistic to me. Like this does not feel like a real high school. These do not feel like real people. Everything's just this weird, like heightened state of reality. Um, and I think it works. And you know, we're talking about a, a human vampire romance. Like, <laughs> you know, let's be let's be a little silly, I guess. Yeah. I so know. we've got this first like half hour of setup. Bella settling into school, and of course, it eventually comes out that Edward is a vampire and shit starts to get crazy real fucking fast or at least it did for me it was a sudden just like shift into high gear and insane things started happening at a dizzying pace i don't know well, about y'all well, we're, we're, we're strung along for quite some time and it, it's the old x-files problem where it's like look everyone here chose to watch twilight we know this guy's a vampire yeah <laughs> yeah but we've got to like, tiptoe around it for a little bit and meet his whole yeah. family and everything and and like half the movie we're tiptoeing around it yeah. and and then finally she's like okay now i've caught up now i know you're a vampire and and she's cool with it and i i really like that where he's like no you don't understand i'm a dangerous man she's like i don't care He's like, I'm a killer. And she, she's like Trump. She's like, a lot of killers, a lot of killers. I don't care. I don't care. Um, she's just not, she's not um, flustered by him. And I like that. And that's kind of, I think, maybe the first time we really see character out of her. I was still, yeah, I was still puzzled as to why she was so attracted to him, though. And like what that says about her character. Because he's a straight up 
asshole to her from the beginning. I mean, when oh, she yeah. sits down in their <laughs> biology class, I think it is, he just immediately freaks out and leaves and doesn't come back to school for several days. Like, why would you want to... I don't know. Why would you want to pursue that person? Because he's, he's the so bad dreamy. boy. He's the bad boy. Jacob's I mean, the also, good one, and he's the bad one, and everybody likes the bad one. And in Edward's defense, he did leave because his vampire hunger or whatever was kicking in, and he wanted to suck her blood. He had to go his feed. His instinct was to suck he her went, blood, he went to but he didn't want to do it. Yeah, which is one of the interesting quirks of this universe, which, I mean... I, I obviously knew this going into the movie, and I'm sure everybody does, but I, I will always give Stephanie Meyer credit for this sort of unusual quirk of the vampires, you know, sort of having a, a, a moral code and not wanting to suck human blood and kill humans, so they are vegetarians, as they say, which means... They eat they meat, hunt. they just don't eat yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah, they hunt other animals. And, and I think Stephanie Meyer herself is a vegetarian. I thought that mm. was interesting. And she has a cameo in this movie where they're like, oh. Stephanie, here's your veggie plate, and they slide <laughs> her like a veggie burger. I, I didn't catch that. Yeah. She's yeah. also Mormon, isn't she? And there's some like controversy yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't know that we need to get into it. But I, the other thing I like about her creation is that these vampires can kind of live relatively normal lives. You know, like they they can handle a little bit of, of filtered sunlight. They can live in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> and actually go to school. And when mm. the sun's out, everybody thinks they're going off hiking, but really they're crawling into their coffins or whatever because it's a little too much UV <laughs> for them. <laughs> and, and you know what? Like, I think this being my second viewing, or like I watched the first half of this before, I think that helps because I was very pissed off when I realized that he sparkles in the sunlight. <laughs> Everybody is. Yeah, just because there's such a strong tradition of really cool effects and gore when vampires are in the sunlight in movies that you're like, oh, that's not exciting. Yeah, this is not near dark, unfortunately. <laughs> you know what? I I kind of liked it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to be silly. But you know, who needs to see another vampire disappear into a cloud of smoke when they're in the sunlight? I, I, I kind of along the lines of the whole vegetarian thing, I was like, all right, you know what? You're doing something different. It's a little weird. And I almost like it. Yeah, I was able to meet it on its own terms, knowing it was coming and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I liked it as well. I think that because I've read the books, the translation from, you know, book sparkly vampire to movie sparkly vampire i mean they had to show that obviously visually a specific way which translated to sparkly glittery vampire um but in the books it's definitely more it's less sparkly and more kind of like i don't know translucent type like i don't know think of think of quartz the the stone quartz yeah, yeah. it's more like that in the books or at least that's how i read it um but i think when they translated that to the movie it it uh turned more into a joke than uh you know this is how they are kind of thing does it cause him any pain to when Mm-mm. he gets all glittery right it's the only the only danger is exposure right like yeah okay yeah that, that's intriguing to me Rather yeah, than I mean, just like having you know the sunburn holes in his body, like in any other uh, vampire story. 
This whole series really reinvented that sort of dark fantasy genre for for books and in YA and really pushed that whole dark fantasy, urban fantasy, vampire werewolf really hard for a couple of years, which is actually it actually has come back as well. Mm-hmm. We're getting more vampire and werewolf books because we us as readers have been asking for it <laughs> for, you know, over a decade now. But I like that he was sparkly. I like that he was different. And you have to keep in mind, you know, this is this is uh, this is an urban fantasy romance. You know, I mean, romance, you know, is the is the main focus of this story. And you know, things are a little more glamorous um, when that's the focus. So, what did blow my mind and maybe borderline offend me and make me laugh uproariously was anytime he ran because he has super speed essentially and every time he runs it looks absurd (laughs) like just whoever conceived of the the effects and the visual tricks that they use to make him appear fast did a terrible job it looks so stupid every time it happens oh especially when he's got bella on his back and he's like Mm -hmm. climbing trees and shit and it's like uh, you know, it's like very crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Like, oh, we just discovered this new trick we can do with wires, and they just couldn't nail it. It's so I, strange. It's like they're, it's like he's running at half speed on a hidden escalator or something as he's going up a hill. It's just so incongruous. Yeah, I think that I think that he also refers to her as a spider monkey. Yes, and yes. As the most cringe, <laughs> even as a teenager. <laughs> As a young adult, that was so cringy. I'm like, oh, this is not romantic <laughs> at all. Gross. Was it hold hold on tight, Spider Monkey? Yeah. 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 Yes. Ugh. You Ugh. say that to your son when like they want to piggyback, right? You don't say that to your yeah. one true love. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> there was also just, uh, it almost felt, and, and this is where, you know, one of the big questions with this movie for me is, does it know what it's doing? Does it have self-awareness? And, (laughs) well, see, I mean, okay, generally I feel like I agree with you, but also at this point where it kind of flips from a little bit more traditional high school drama to, oh, he's a vampire and we're in that universe now, I feel like there's a stylistic shift. Even in the editing, the editing becomes uh, a little more rapid, it becomes more choppy, and there are some terrible fucking edits in this movie. Yeah, I feel like we need to acknowledge that. But I feel like it almost happens at that point. I feel like there's a, a shift in the movie, and almost like we enter this separate universe, both in the in the narrative and also just in the like the visual language of the movie, where I went, huh, maybe it does know what it's doing. Well, it's directed by Catherine Hardwick. She directed uh, Lords of Dogtown in 13, uh, two movies that I saw when they came out and was they were age-appropriate for me, and I thought they were great and both still hold up pretty well. Like, there were moments in this movie where I was reminded, like, oh yeah, there's like a director with chops behind this. Like, whatever studio notes they were getting, you know, there's definitely some some major choices here that hinted at a kind of self-awareness um yeah or sometimes even the uh, the border you know the emotionally abusive behavior of edward seems to be highlighted in a way as to expose the fact that it's a little uncomfortable in ways that mm. you just that probably weren't in the script uh, it's, in, it's, in, it's in the framing of certain shots um yeah <laughs> or the way they choose to have him like fucking drift his oh, toyota or whatever so it is funny around the corner to rescue her from a bunch of 
fucking uh, predators when she's in Port Angeles. If you were age 17 for a hundred years you would take driver's ad a hundred times and you would get really fucking good at driving well this is this is one of my main questions about this okay so he's however many years old a hundred years old it's problematic it's problematic uh, and he's canceled no 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 no. shut up He appears to be 17. Why, if you're 100 years old, are you going to waste your time going to fucking high school? They He's have... got a... F- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Christine. You probably have a way better answer than I do. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, their family has finally found a spot after, you know, moving decade after decade, you know, trying to find a good spot to live their life. They just want to live their life as normal as possible. Um, mm-hmm. They don't necessarily agree with the vampire lifestyle, which is why they're vegetarian, right? So he's solely trying to fit in. He's trying to fit in, um, which raises other questions because, you know, they kind of see him over and over and over again. But they're just trying to fit in and and be as normal as possible. So, Mm. yeah, there's other more dangerous vampires out there. You know, like it's a rough life. And I think they finally found this like really small town where like they're. Yeah, they've assimilated. You know, the 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 patriarch of the family is, you know, the, the town doctor or whatever he's like the most prominent doctor in town he knows everyone carlisle yeah Yeah, and yeah they've just carved out a nice little quiet existence for themselves but you raise a great point christine that i hadn't thought about like he's a teenager forever there like how many times can he go through the same tiny school system (laughs) without being recognized (laughs) teacher and administrator turnover is really fucking high these days in four years there's no one there who remembers Um, but you, you talk about the you know auteur chops of the director, and I you know who's to say if the director is good or not or whatever. I mean, I, this seems like it's a poorly directed movie, but for all we know, there, there's clearly heavy-handed. You know, the studio was like, oh, this is our baby, this is our Harry yes. Potter or whatever, right? So you're gonna have seven fat cats on the set for every scene, being like, no, she needs to bite her lip more, don't you think? And um, so <laughs> you get that stuff. And what bothered me about this movie is like i was you know i i did not plan to sit down and watch all the twilight movies maybe i will but like i wanted a self-contained story and it wasn't here basically there's so much shit that's just setting up and teasing the next movies where i'm like okay this is only significant because me having read books if i'm a person who read all the books recognizes that as character x or this is setting up the conflict that's going to be in three more books from now or three more movies from now and really at the end of the movie i found myself unsatisfied with the dramatic arc of the story that was in front of me and it was just like well would you want to see what happens next it was kind of like a pilot for a tv show i did not like that Christine, I'm right. curious, you know, because there are so many things that are obvious setups in this. Is there a, a vampire world series in the later books? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise, no, I have no clue why to include that particular sequence. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I I fucking hate baseball. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I mean, I'm purely joking. I, I I would be my mind would be blown if that were true. But old, old ass Dracula comes out to throw out the first pitch. <laughs> oh, that's a what we do in the to... shadows episode. Oh yeah, I'm just equating that to Quidditch right now. Um, no, yeah. there is no there's no Vampire World series. Um, there is a, a 
sort of like I a... want to see Victor Crumb play the Colons that he would fit right in. <laughs> I, I want to see ba- Babe Crumb? Tooth up to bat at the oh, Vampire Wars. Wow. <laughs> That was a, that was a Chris joke right there. I didn't get it. Um, Christine, so babe, so babe I mean, Ruth, <laughs> vampires have teeth. Babe oh, tooth. Oh, I get. It. Oh, damn. Ooh. All right. Pretty good. Pretty funny. Chris is so upset he didn't come yeah, up with that. Right now. Um, Christine, so when the books came out, though, I mean the books came out in rapid succession too, right? So this was yeah. conceived as a series, right? Yes. And and that's a typical thing, and and, and your series is conceived as a series that you're writing right yes so what's the goal for the first story like are you is it gonna be a self-contained satisfying story unto itself or is this kind of typical to be like well here's a story but we're leaving the door open and you're not really going to be satisfied unless you read three other books that's a really complicated question because i think that that boils down to how you're published i think when you're self-published you can get away with leaving it on a big cliffhanger i think that if you're traditionally published even though you're publishing, you know, usually when you um, get traditionally published, you're signed up for um, a certain amount of books in a series, you know, like, hey, we want four books in the series. And they, because it's a little more mainstream, they want you to obviously link those books together at the end of each book. But you also want it somewhat self-contained that people are satisfied and want to come back and spend that twenty nine ninety nine on that hardcover, you know, next year. I would argue that the movie left off and wrapped up fairly decently, but I also know the second book and how the second movie starts off. So I I definitely have a little bit of a different opinion. I think that because it is a series, it wrapped up nicely in that series. But I, this movie was made for the lovers of these books, so they were counting on you to come back for that second movie anyway. So it almost didn't matter, you know. Yeah. To, it, 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 they don't care about you guys; they cared about right. the dedicated readers of the series. So right. Yeah, we get kind of a, a facsimile of closure at the end of this movie that even left me so confused that I had to go back and watch the ending again to confirm that it did have any sense of an ending of an arc for Bella. And it, it does, but you know, not without even like somebody going into this blind would know that there's a sequel coming, even if they knew nothing about the books. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, kind yeah, of yeah, tricky, the line that they tow there. You have multiple characters who are like, we'll be watching you at the end. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay. <laughs> All right, well, we're talking so much about the end. I feel like we should take a little spoiler room break here, even though there's, like, fucking nothing to spoil once you get to, (laughs) hey, Edward's a vampire. But let's, uh, I'm going to say this. Let's talk about the baseball scene. We'll take a spoiler room break, and then we'll talk about what happens after the baseball scene, because that's kind of the third act anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the baseball scene. (laughs) I'm going to say that right now. It's fucking great. That's the main moment where I go, oh, I think they might know what they're doing. Like, this is goofy. It's over the top. It's like superhero shenanigans. It has this sort of clever conceit. It's like, oh, we can only play baseball when there's a thunderstorm because it's so loud when we hit the balls and run and catch them and stuff. We can only we can only do it as thunder actively claps because otherwise the humans would find out. I love that. It's It's kind of clever and cute and fun. And the whole scene was fun. And I love that Muse song. Oh, and, and God so knows, good. 
Yeah, that is a great song. God <laughs> knows, I mean, they can't go without playing baseball at least once in a while. It's the American pastime, we're told. Um, it is. <laughs> even vampires understand. I loved it, too. I mean, it's it's cute. And when I saw it for the first time, I like the sparkliness of the, or the glitteriness of Edward in the sunlight, you know, it's easy to laugh at it because it had already been sort of set up as a joke by the media before I'd even seen the film. This time around, I was like, you know what? This I've never seen this before in a movie. Like this is a, a wholly original concept. It does have like a very strong, like mythical quality to it as well. That it does feel like, like a you know, like a like a classic legend or something. Like you're you know? watching gods play baseball. I think yep. it does double duty. It gives us into that conflict, but at the same time, you know, Bella's introduced to this family that seems extremely serious and reserved. They're very reserved because they're trying to lay low. Um, and I think it it serves as a device to say, hey, you know, we like fun too. We like to do fun things, and we have to do them differently than normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, we also like baseball because it's the great American pastime. But this is how we have to do it, and this is how we kind of let loose. Um, and I actually, while I believe the way it was shot was super cheesy, I do actually like the concept of it, and I think it worked for what it needed to do. It kind of reminded me of Catwoman playing basketball in Catwoman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except that, I feel, is made to be taken seriously, and this has a sense of fun to it. Yeah, this is fun. It's silly. You know, it allows Bella to... You know, see everybody let their guard down, and they're joking with her. You know, call it like you see it. These guys are cheaters over here. You know, like <laughs> I don't. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Well, and I was charmed by the whole vampire family too. I mean, clearly a cast that is much more fleshed out in the books. I would assume because there's so many characters where it's like that's Alice. She's blah blah blah. That's Jasper. She's blah blah blah. And then like you get zero other real indication of what their personality is like beyond that but i was i was charmed by just the general like oh hey welcome to the family or like she goes over to the house and they're fucking making pasta for her (laughs) watching a like a youtube video because they don't know how to cook otherwise i was like oh that's so sweet i love this i want to be part of this family i want to date edward (laughs) me too All right, well, uh, let's go down to the spoiler room and spoiler all the non-spoilers that happen post-baseball game. But before we do that, uh, it's time to rate it. It's time to say whether we would view it, cue it, or screw it. And we will start today with the person who looks like they're still thinking about their rating, Christine. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's... That's really Christine, hard to say. Christine, your, your career could be on the line with your decision on this. I just want to put that out there. No pressure. I, I would say view it. And I would say view it. I love this energy. <laughs> I would say view it because everybody has ha- has an opinion on this movie, on this book series. And I feel like a lot of people have this opinion and they've never even seen it and they know absolutely nothing Mm. about it other than glittery vampire, sparkly vampire. And that always really bothers me when people form these opinions and they have no idea what they're talking about and they're just kind of going along with the crowd. And I think that this movie is kind of charming when you look at it and think, yeah, this was a really popular book series for teen girls and uh, it's kind of fun. So I would say view it. All right, throw it to somebody else. Pick the next victim. Mm, uh, I kind of want to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's chomping at the bit. I, I kind of want to jump in because um, uh, I want to dovetail with, with what you said. 
I'm also going to give it a view it. Oh and, my god! Whoa! <laughs> and I'll explain why. But but to your point, like this did. I do feel like this movie is kind of unfairly maligned because you hear about it and it's like just kind of a pile on on Twilight yep. and even the stuff like Kristen Stewart biting her lip and stuff like. And in context, none of it's that bad or that cheesy. Um, it reminded me actually of the backlash against Titanic. Um, watching this movie, and I I think there might be some maybe misogyny in how the society treats massively popular things that are primarily popular with young women. But I thought this was a ton of fun. Like I said, I think it was a, it's a, it's a camp masterpiece. They, the movie I watched may not be the movie they plan to make, but I just, I, it held my interest almost all the way through the ending. I didn't like that much, but, um, I was howling with laughter and screaming at multiple <laughs> points of this movie by myself, just laughing out loud. Like, <laughs> and some of the stuff is just stuff that hasn't aged well. Like, Ed, when Edward says to Bella, he's like, "You're like my own personal brand of heroin." <laughs> like, just just ridiculous stuff, ridiculous choices. It's like I I don't feel like anyone could have made this movie on purpose um and i haven't seen anything else <laughs> like it and at the end of the day the love story is cute and um i'm i'm curious enough to actually watch the other ones i think i don't know if i'll follow through with that but my curiosity about the lore and everything has been peaked enough um everything with the family was fantastic i want i wish there was more of the family in this movie because that's where most of the interesting ideas uh in this movie were for me but hey you know uh you could do a lot worse and, and i feel like it's it's culturally significant and and interesting enough you're not gonna get bored watching twilight the movie so view it patrick i'm gonna give it a cue it i can't quite wholeheartedly endorse anyone watching this and pushing it to the top of their queue and doing it as the next thing on the list but it was entertaining and it was much better than i was expecting uh the three last movies in the franchise that i had seen before i remembered being pretty dreadful and this was much uh i want to say livelier and had a lot more energy to it i guess than those movies it's an interesting cultural artifact you know if you haven't seen these movies before don't know anything about these stories there's all kinds of stuff that'll you know blow your little mind and it's fun it's fun i had a good time with it and i i kind of want to watch new moon now and then rewatch the ones that i've already seen oh just my to see god how they hold up <laughs> yeah want a bunch of I'm softies a- here on amon today <laughs> a- i love it i love it i'm a twihard i'm a convert <laughs> steven the moment you're all waiting for i'll give it a cue it i think uh, like um i think it is one of those things like patrick said it's such like an important cultural artifact that i think like see it inform your own opinion because it's not it's not what you think it is from what you've heard i mean it is it, it is cute at times it is very very campy at times it is it takes some pretty surprising swings it's a little sleepy in places but i think there's enough there to reward you know if you're even remotely curious at this point what is twilight about i don't know where you've been for the last 20 years but check it out the whole (laughs) franchise apparently is on netflix that said you know there are some very cringy moments in this movie to me in 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 as far as um edward cullen's mystique and his behavior i think his character is 
very problematic at times and, yeah. and uncomfortable to watch in a way that I don't think the filmmakers really had a handle on. There's a lot of stuff that just seems to kind of slip under the radar and influence potentially teenage girls' fantasies and lead them toward some potentially bad dudes. <laughs> and I, I would be so interested to read a book on the cultural fallout of that, um, or at least as far as it relates to, to like young adult literature going forward from Twilight. That said, minor gripe. I think that stuff even mostly plays as camp, and I had a good time with it both times I watched it. So, it's a cue it from me. Yeah, you know, I think everybody made... Uh, kind of a similar point that I just want to sort of reiterate, but it is interesting how much, I guess, pop culture, the media, et cetera, and just sort of history has harped upon certain things like the baseball scene and Kay Stu biting her lip and whatever, and just turned it into like the absolute rock bottom of cinema. Like this shit is so awful. It's so stupid. This is the worst thing you'll ever see. And you watch it and it's like, no, this is, this is charming, you know? Yeah. It's fine. It is, it's far from the awfulness that it has been kind of memed up to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a pet peeve with me. And, and like, just going back to Titanic, cause you hear that shit all the time. People who haven't seen Titanic since they were five years old, talking to me about the fucking floating door, two people could fit on the door or making fun of draw me like one of your French girls. It's all fucking makes sense in context. People just want to hate. Haters gonna hate, <laughs> but this there's pretty good reviews around the board. Would you like to know what movies uh, this uh, we have put this next to on our all time rating list? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm always curious about that. Uh, yes. According to our panel, uh, this movie is as good as Crimson Peak. <laughs> that, that tracks. Halloween H two O. Halloween H20 H20 Halloween 2018 Don't Kill It What? Don't Kill It Backcountry and Saw Wow (laughs) That's delirious Solid lineup (laughs) Solid company That's delirious We're delirious This show is fun Alright well speaking of the Titanic Let's uh, sink down to the spoiler room Shall we? (laughs) Yes But on our way down We're gonna put four people on a door While we tell you To follow us On your social media platforms At Amoncast E-H-M-O-N Cast Get on your favorite podcast provider And subscribe uh, Rate Review us we love to see the feedback. We love to see our star rating rise above 4.4, and it <laughs> helps people find the show. Also, go to our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com, which Chris really needs to get working on. <laughs> it's broken as fuck, and I apologize. I, we don't talk about it being broken on the show, because I always assume that I'm going to fix it, and then we're going to have all these episodes <laughs> in the can that talk about being broken that aren't true. But at this point, it's so broken. We can't hide from it any longer. It's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to fix it eventually. Uh, it's just not the top of my priority list right now. But I got to get it up there. I got to get it done because it's, it's important. That, that pizza's getting cold on the website yeah. there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to resort to publicly shaming Chris until he does something about it. So, <laughs> But with listeners. love. With love. Understand. <laughs> shame, right. shame Chris with love until he fixes the website. All and right. in the meantime, click the buy merch link and buy one of our t-shirts or a coffee cup or a condom or whatever else you want with an every horror movie on Netflix piece of art on it. Okay, let's go to the spoiler room. Okay, bye.
welcome back. We are in the spoiler room, and in our little break, we were talking about sex a lot. So we're going to talk about sex some more now, baby. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the uh, the the romance genre. We were talking about stigmas assigned to it. We were talking about stigmas put on depictions of sex. We were talking about uh, the inability of many authors to write descriptions of sex or intimacy. There's an award, isn't there, every year? Christine, I feel like you would know about this as a writer. There's an award somewhere on the internet for, like, the like the worst sex writing of the year in fiction. And, like, usually oh. it's, like, somebody really big gets it, like, Jonathan Franzen or someone like that. It's, like, <laughs> totally shits the, shits the bed. Ugh, I should know it, about but. that. I don't, but I need to. I need to Google that right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can find it offcast and send you more info. But but it is such a problem that yes, there's an award for it. Wow. But but here's the one thing. Here's the praise I will give Twilight the movie in this category. Even though it's a PG-13 movie, it's a pretty horny movie. Would you agree? <laughs> for yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, but also that's interesting because Stephanie Meyer, being a Mormon, did not want edward and bella to have sex until they were married and this is famously also kind of i mean wasn't this book sort of if not embraced given a pass by your sort of christian conservative community because it was still relatively wholesome all things considered I think it was but I think what it started became becoming more popular and people started romanticizing edward um it's actually one of the banned books on the banned books list Mm. No. Oh, Twilight specifically, yeah. or oh, okay, because yes. I know Breaking Dawn was very controversial yeah. for finally having the you know uh, <laughs> what do they call that the head? Why can't head, I think of the thing at headboard? The headboard, yeah, the headboard breaking uh, sex scene in Breaking Dawn. I remember being quite controversial. Wow, yes. although it was really th- mulling over that title for a different reason. Now that's interesting. <laughs> um, post um, post marital, though, that was the yes. important part. But, but yeah, Chris, yes. your your point. But well, that kind of adds. Um, I didn't know that about Stephanie Meyer, and that's that's kind of interesting because it kind of adds underlines sort of the double entendre then of Edward being like. I can't do it. I, can't, I, I want it, but I can't have it. <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. the whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. But like you know, their first meeting in in that in the classroom, it's like it's comical, right? The way it's kind of shot uh, or, or campy, but like there's it's just so nervy and all this like palpable lust between these characters who don't even know each other, and there's like a phallus drawn on the chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> like, Is just, there? Yeah, some. I mean, it's it's like some biological diagram of something, wow. but. It, it has an interesting shape. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a flatworm. It's a flatworm. <laughs> and um, it's just, you know, there's kind of a discussion, uh, at least on my Twitter, like every month or so, about like the lack of sexuality in modern movies. Um, and so I, it, it's kind of refreshing to to see movies that are largely about two characters having lust for each other because you don't get that a lot. And like a lot of people have talked about like you know superhero movies and how they have become sexless and you know you have you have heroes who are looking hot as opposed to back in the day when you know batman and catwoman were fucking all although you know what i distract myself because batman returns is sexual as fuck no yeah i mean no that yeah because i mean even like superman lois lane like pretty 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 you know conservative but still a a kind of sexy um compared to you know you have the actors are looking hotter than ever because they're on like steroids and stuff and they have perfect bodies like michael keaton did not look as good as captain america right 
but he <laughs> was fucking. True. He was fucking. <laughs> we're, we're looking at you next, Camille. <laughs> you know, and like, like, like the Batman '89, Batman Returns, all the Batman movies, and you know, we've we've kind of lost that, and I don't know why that is. Um, you know, I think I think maybe movies now are made with bigger budgets and and to to appeal to a larger global audience that might have different attitudes towards depictions of sex, or maybe we're just turned into prudes. But um, interesting to see blockbusters that are are very much about lust. We don't get that a lot, but very suppressed lust. Yeah, it's suppressed, but it's also like it's not even expressed sexually in this movie all that much. Yeah, there's the lip biting, you know, and that, but like it this movie feels so chaste and so innocent. Like it really does feel like yeah, as an adult watching it, there's some sexual tension here that I can read into it, but the characters aren't themselves aren't aware of that for much of this film. Well, yeah, because it's forbidden for them to be together, basically. He's worried that he's going to lose control and kill her. And so, you know, we have this little montage somewhere halfway through the movie, I think, where uh, I think they're getting hot and heavy. If I remember, her pants are off. And he's like, whoa, whoa, we can't do this. And then there's sort of a little montage of them, like, cuddling and him staring at her (laughs) through the night, you know. So it's, it's... suppressed both in the sense of coded as steven said but also just the characters have to literally suppress that horniness within the the narrative of the film sure but it but it adds a a tension a sexual tension yeah sure i mean (laughs) uh, i'm revisiting something that i said already that happened so early in the movie but his performance in that classroom is so insane like it's the closest (laughs) uh, a human like without the aid of cgi has ever gotten to like representing the classic like the wolf with the eyes popping out and the jaw opening and the tongue just you know unraveling across the table like he performs that with his face with forget about no batman robert robert pattinson needs to reboot the mask <laughs> exactly exactly the role he was born I'm to play <laughs> but speaking of uh roles people were born to play let's go back to the baseball game so the baseball game plays out and then all of a sudden the three evil sexy vampires walk in and their names are actually uh, it's james what's the girl vampire's name Victoria, I think. And Victoria? also Laurent, which yeah. <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I saw Laurent, I was like, wow, your pecs are bouncing all over the place in slow-mo. And I also was like, I wonder how many teenagers read this book or saw this movie and were like, what are they saying? I thought his name was Laurent. <laughs> that would be me for sure. Um, at least 90% of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least. Well, well, I was confused because we know that the Cullens have like a ton of like relatives, right? And there's a, it's a big family. And so when we see these vampires murdering people throughout the extent of the movie, I assumed it was Cullens, like like that some of Edward's siblings were were had Me gone too. rogue. And so then I kind of forgot about that. And then these people show up and like, who are they? Are they they werewolves? Are they? Oh 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 oh! I got yeah. I got you now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they're a new family that's moved in. They think the Collins are cool, that they like to eat humans too. They want to play baseball. But of course, some tension is set up because the Collins are not down for that. No, these new, this the new, new tribe is, wants to eat Bella. They're decidedly non-vegetarian. Yeah. Decidedly, and they smell Bella. Yes. They have Bella right there in the field in the open. And 
um, the wind, you know, carries her scent. <laughs> her, her name might as well be Portabella at that point. <laughs> Um, I did not I did not care for the rest of the movie frankly because I I didn't like that conflict it kind of felt tacked on you get anytime you're 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 in I'm watching a movie and like they've stayed in one town for the whole movie and then at the end they go to like cross the country three times I'm like this this you're this is hard for me to keep track of well yeah you have like an hour and a half of Edward and Bella getting to know each other and Bella getting to know the Colons a little bit and then all of a sudden it's like okay well we have to like do something to move this towards a cathartic ending so let's uh let's get these bad evil vampires up. in yeah and we do have the, like there are like a couple of like brief sort of like murders of townspeople dropped in throughout the film but it never I don't know, every time that happened, I got swept back up in the, the Edward Bella drum and forgot that there was another looming conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me, let me you know, second-guess one of the best-selling authors of the last 20 years and say, <laughs> like, I think it should have stayed more about the family and maybe have some rogue people in the family, and then you can have a story about, like, what it means to be part of this family, and Bella's joining this family, and you've got these, these rogue... Van- so all the drama stays close to home and within, within the relationships that are already established, and it's very much about Bella being put in danger because she joined this family, not because she happened across paths with some other vampire Chris, well, okay. there's, a, there's a franchise for you <laughs> you think you just said family like 10 times I don't know if Patrick <laughs> was grinning as well but I, I'm with you though uh, I think that would have been much more interesting and engaging See, yeah, and I, I, think that, I, I think that this is something that you guys missed just because it wasn't emphasized very much in the movie when it should have been. But they actually did have that dynamic within the family um, Jasper, which is Alice's kind of oh, boyfriend. Oh, he's the weird one. He's the weird one. The new one. vegetarian. He's yeah. the new guy. He's the new guy, and he's really tempted by Bella because he's really fighting those carnal urges of, you know, being a vampire and wanting, yeah. you know, humans. So Loved that, his performance. Loved his expression yeah, every time he was I around Jasper her. I too, yeah. yeah. That was definitely focused on a little bit more in the books. But I agree. I think that, especially with the movie... That conflict was rushed at the end, where they are b- bouncing around everywhere, and it didn't really translate well from the book, as most, you know, book-to-movie plots don't mm-hmm. translate well. So, Yeah, I entirely kind of lost track of where they were, what the plot was, you know, when Bella was a decoy, and who they were following, mm-hmm. and who they weren't. They end up in a train station, essentially, where Bella thinks... Ballet studio. Yes. Oh, yeah. Why didn't I think it was a train station? Because it looks like a train station. (laughs) 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 It's a very lofty building. Yeah, this must be like the world's largest class of ballet students, because usually you get like, you know, one room with a hardwood floor and a mirror. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they end up there because Bella thinks that James has kidnapped her mom and brought her to the ballet studio train station turns out it's just james there james menaces her and naturally edward and the colons show up to to assist pretty underwhelming yeah big big dramatic scene mostly kind of stupid and a little hard to follow bella gets bitten edward dramatically sucks the uh vampire venom out of her before she gets turned james gets fucking wrecked they rip yeah, James's is. head off, throw him into a goddamn fire. That was <laughs> that was a little intense, actually. That was for, great <laughs> for this film. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, it is a pretty fitting and swift comeuppance for his uh, behavior prior to that. And then they go to prom. They go to prom. And uh, Bella's in a cast. And, and, and Jacob, right? It's Jacob, the Taylor Lautner character, shows up to like warn yeah. her, like, our family's watching you. My dad paid me 20 bucks to tell you not to date this guy anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get lots of, you know, hints of the coming conflict between the werewolves and the vampires. Yep. You know what I needed? I it, Especially this, like, third time seeing that sequence. I, like, thought I remembered that Taylor Lautner, like, started to turn into a wolf and disappeared into the mist as he walked away. <laughs> uh, yes! Why not? Why the fuck not? Um, so, so there is, like, there is, like, a, a large-scale war between vampires and werewolves in this series, right? Yes, there is. So it's, yeah. it's kind of like a kind of like a Trojan War sort of thing, where like it's Bella launched a thousand ships because she's so hot, and the werewolf likes her, and the vampire likes her. Absolutely, there's and and they they take a giant wooden wolf and they wheel it through the gate of the high school <laughs> field where all the vampires are hanging out. Yes, yes, exactly. No, yeah. but I would have loved to have read about that. Um, yeah, it's definitely the ending. Um, Jacob showing up. Um, really previews what's to come in the rest of the books um in particular obviously the the second book um where that rift becomes even bigger um and some dynamics change between bella and edward and shift towards uh bella and jacob so um yeah huge huge war between the two i'll have to watch it i can't (laughs) wait we also get a little bit of a a arc wrapped up with bella and her dad which i i liked it was one of the only like emotionally resonant scenes for me where like at the end he's finally like hey you look good i love you honey or whatever because he's kind of been aloof the whole movie and they've had a strained relationship strained in part because when she gets you know stalked by the vampires they're like you gotta get out of town like say whatever you gotta say to your dad to like just get the hell out of here and so she's like dad i'm leaving i'm so upset i'm leaving there's nothing you can do to stop me she's like halfway out the door and she's like and by the way you're a fucking drunk slob who only watches sports and it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have to say that god damn okay that's not can, what she says basically though <laughs> but oh it is god. harsh <laughs> like unnecessarily I, harsh i liked her dad i liked that was another performance that was kind of weird and not natural to me but it was also charming i was charmed by her dad and his awkward attempts to relate to her and be a good dad Mm -hmm. i liked when he got sunned by edward because edward picks her up from a date or something and and he's trying to like do the dad talk to the date but edward has like 80 years on the dad so he's just like no i'm gonna tell you how it is i'm gonna be the perfect boyfriend (laughs) and nice to meet you (laughs) (laughs) it's nice uh but yeah we wind up with a little scene in the gazebo at prom where they're still back and forth about should she be a vampire she wants to be a vampire he doesn't want to turn her into a vampire and they basically decide she's not going to be a vampire for now and they kiss and it's very romantic and and then alice walks down a stairway in black and white slow-mo 
Or Alice. No, what's her name? What's Victoria. Her name? Victoria. Decided. Yes. Victoria. Sorry. Victoria walks down a stairway in black and white slow mo to suggest that she's going to be up to no good next movie. She has no lines. It's just that's the final shot. Terrible. And then we and, see but, her in black well, and white but, over the credits. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's like Christine said. This is not for us. This is for people who read the first book, read the second book, and are like, oh yeah, Victoria's going to start some shit next movie. But they already yeah, well, know that because they read the book and Vic- we already have established yes. Victoria. Yeah, so Victoria Victoria's mate James right James was killed James was killed by the other vampires um, and that was her mate and she's going to extract revenge or at least attempt mm-hmm. to we know that without seeing that last shot so we you know why just take away it's just another thing where it's like oh here's the story wrapping up <laughs> no it's not and here's like a, a tertiary character remember her she'll come back like that's not why I'm watching if I watch the next movie it's gonna be because I care about yeah. Edward and Bella and maybe Jacob <laughs> <laughs> not this woman who's probably just gonna get decapitated at the end of the movie <laughs> <laughs> okay what happened to Laurent though like he was in my opinion the most interesting of that trio he was definitely more um democratic uh of everybody does he come back he's been Uh, around for 300 years so he knows how to how to navigate the politics he's gonna broker the truce between the werewolves and the vampires shut up does he come back (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna give you the answer you want because i don't remember oh at all um, but he's just kind of thrown away this movie, right? I mean, did I miss something, or is he no. just kind of disappear? He is, and I think he was one of the more interesting characters um, of the three that came in. You know, the, the, the bad vampires. Certainly a natty um, dresser. I mean, I like his kind of oh, yeah. flowery shirts under his leather trench coat and everything, and um, his deep sensual voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was very attractive, but also, I mean, like outside of that, just very charismatic just oh, I sure. care that he the most attractive. charismatic of the three <laughs> well because you think he's like you know a, a, a gonna be like the main villain because he seems to be in charge of this yeah. troop of of animalistic vampire killers um yeah and then turns out he's actually the sole voice of reason from that clan he's like listen these two people are bad seeds kill them i've been around for 300 years i've seen some shit this isn't the way catch you yeah. around yeah which i just i hope i have that kind of gravitas when i'm 300 years old (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm i'm thinking of this i think primarily because i'm thinking about the credit sequence which i actually found kind of cool and stylish it's all in black and white and now i'm thinking of the (laughs) the separate pop culture media franchise that this inspired 50 shades of gray which i have not read the books but have seen two of the three movies and think they're fucking hilarious and i love them and it was so weird and interesting watching this movie and seeing how E.L. James ripped off the beats of Twilight and basically went, what if it was Twilight, but Edward was even more toxic? <laughs> like, let's just dial up Edward being a fucking psychopath stalker and otherwise just take out the vampire stuff and, and rewrite Twilight and put some more sex in it. Well, it was Twilight fanfic, so... It that's, was. That's usually yeah. how that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. The 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 toxic Edward resulted in some moments that just had me howling with laughter. I don't know if that means I just think abuse is funny, but like, <laughs> I don't think abuse is funny. But this stuff, this was ridiculous. Like the part I laughed at is when they're like on the field trip 
and oh they're God. talking. <laughs> they're talking outside the bus, and like I think Edward's siblings come up, and they're like, "Oh, Bella, you want to ride on the bus with us?" And Edward's like, "No, this bus is full." <laughs> i love when she's like driving away she's leaving town and all of a sudden he just like jumps from out of literally nowhere onto the side of her car and is just hanging onto her car door as she's driving like talking he's like why don't you let me drive and i'm like okay then oh and And just moves over he's the fucking wheel man when you're being chased by a vampire you want edward driving the car we've seen him do sick drifts in his (laughs) hatchback the whole yeah but like like five minutes prior to that he was like fuck your dad we got to get you out of here and even though like all she wanted was to make sure her dad was safe he was still insistent like we've got to get out of here there's no time dead safe dead safe they did that because the vampires would be listening to her and and they would be convinced that she was leaving that house and that the dad was not going to be effective bait you know this is what abusers tell you chris (laughs) 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 they make up all kinds of excuses to do terrible things (laughs) all right well We've had a fantastic time talking about Twilight. I am so delighted that we came up with not just two cues, but two views for it. And I'm so glad I got to talk about it with you all. But I think it's time to wrap this shit up and for Steven to tell us what we're watching next. Yeah, so guys, we're going to revisit the work of our friend of the show, Neville Archambault. We're finally going to watch The Block Island Sound on the next app. Yes! I'm very very excited about this for a long time. Not just because he's an acquaintance of ours or, well, a friend. Um, But it's got great reviews. Um, Sounds fantastic. I know nothing about it except the title, which I think is pretty intriguing. So, we're going to find out. What's that song? Hey, what's that sound? Everybody stop what's going around. That's about the Kent State shooting. That's a little dark. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're going to find out what that sound is next episode. All right. Well, can't wait to hear slash see that sound next episode. In the meantime, you know the drill. Follow us, Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. Rate and review us, blah, blah, blah. Do all the good stuff. We love you. You love us. And we'll see you next time. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Steven. And I'm Christine. Thanks for joining us. Stay sparkly or glittery, whatever your preference is. Mm